Hello, hello, welcome. Hi. So, when I was 18 years old, I almost got in a drunken brawl with another girl. Seriously, it might have only been one margarita, or it was the only one I remember, but definitely what I remember happening is my friends dragging me out, stuffing me into the back seat of the car while I yelled out every bad word that I knew. Why is it that people who drink a little bit too much or a lot too much tend to make bad decisions? Did you know there's a reason? There's a reason, there's actually a few of them. One of them is that alcohol increases a chemical in the brain that decreases sensitivity to potential consequences. Also, it impairs the frontal cortex, which is where we make our decisions. It liberates the drinker to act without thinking clearly or feeling appropriately which explains my margarita incident. Inebriated people can't pay attention to the cues around them or the internal cues within them. Now, today's message isn't about drinking alcohol or the, not the good things that could happen when you do that. There's lots of other things that you can use to make bad decisions. Today, our message is about making better decisions and therefore having fewer regrets. And this is what we've learned so far in our series. The first thing is that good questions lead to good decisions. Question number one, am I being honest with myself really? The second question is, what is the story that I want to tell? And today's question is this. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like I should have music here. Some fireworks or something. Is there attention that deserves my attention? Say thank you to Ronaldo for me. Thank you. Is there attention that deserves my attention? Now, we've all experienced that moment in our life when you have a decision to make and you just feel this little bit of tension in there where you're just not sure. You're like, I, I don't know what is wrong. I don't know, but something's wrong. I don't know what it is. If you were raised in church or you had a religious grandma, it would be a check in your spirit. That is God telling you something. You better listen. It is that tension that we feel. And what we don't want to do is ignore it. This whole message is about leaning into something that some of us or most of us can tend to rush right by. Don't brush it off. Instead of ignoring the tension that deserves your attention, lean into it. Ask yourself, what about this bothers me? The thing is, it's not easy to do. In fact, two incidents of my life come up when I think about times that I've completely brushed by the tension that deserved attention. The first one was when I broke up with my boyfriend for five minutes. Because I had the tension, I was like, oh, I don't think we're headed in the right direction. I've been dating him for about two years. He was a really, really nice guy. It seemed like it would be a good idea to stay with him. And then when I broke up with him and I saw his hurt face and I went, never mind, it's all good. And I rescued him and I said, we're fine. I regret that. And that's an internal tension that I ignored. 
The second one is this. I took a job that my husband had a tension about. Now that's a relational tension. That is when somebody else says, I don't feel really good about this. I think you maybe need to think about it. And what happens is because it's a relational uh, tension, we cause to discount the person that brought it to us. Now at the time I was working at a job where I was working eight to 10 hours on my feet, on concrete, and my knees were starting to hurt. And I got offered a job with a chair <laughs> and an office. The hours were better, it was the same pay. I was like, this is from God, that is a yes. And my husband said, no, 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 I don't, I don't quite feel right about this. And I totally discounted it because he had a chair and he had an office. <laughs> so he doesn't get to tell me that. I regretted that. When you have attention that needs attention, instead of being like me, I wanna challenge you, pause and allow it. If something bothers you, let it bother you, face it, sit with it. Stay in that uncomfortable space. Don't excuse it. Face that tension until the tension goes away or you decide to go another way. Is there a tension that needs your attention in the decision that you need to make today. Now, there's a great story in the Old Testament about King David before he became king. It's in 1 Samuel 24. Now, where we find David in this story is hiding out in the back of a cave with about 300 other men who were his ragtag, fugitive, outlaw gang that he had gathered over the years. And why is the future king of Israel hiding out in the back of a cave with 300 men? What is he doing? Well, he's hiding out from the current king of Israel, whose name is Saul, because for the last 15 or so years, Saul has been hunting him down and trying to kill him. Well, that's a weird place for a future king to be. It's a weird journey to a king. I mean, this is David. This is the same David who is the shepherd boy who came to the battlefield to feed his brothers and ended up facing Goliath and defeating him, facing the giant and then leading all of Israel into victory against the Philistines. After that moment, David left the field. He wasn't in the field anymore. He moved to the palace. While he was at the palace, he was going out. And what Saul did was he's like, you did a good job with Goliath. Why don't we try again? And he kept sending him out to battles. And David quickly rose through the ranks and became the leader of his own battalion. And so he would go out and he would win victory after victory after victory. And pretty soon, all the ladies in the village started singing this song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his 10,000s. And Saul heard that and got jealous. He started to get paranoid. He started to live in fear because he felt instead of being like, hey, Look at the blessing God has brought to this nation. Hey, look what a great, what a great 
leader I am for choosing David to help me with what God has called me to do. Instead of doing that, he started seeing every single good thing that David did with suspicion. Well, if he's gonna do that, what else does he want? I bet he wants the throne. I bet he's gonna kill me. Saul was literally, literally living his own game of thrones. He was caught up in this whole idea that as soon as he let go of his power, somebody else would take it. And so instead of seeking what God wanted, Saul began seeking what he wanted, which was to stay on the throne. And so he threatened David's life twice with a spear from his own hand in the courtroom. And he missed, or it says David evaded it. David stayed. In fact, David even married Saul's daughter and became the son-in-law of the king. I think Saul literally wanted to keep his enemy closer because that's how he saw David. He's my enemy now. And he just got more paranoid and more afraid and more and more, and pretty soon he asked his son to kill David. He told his men to kill David. And one night, David's wife came to him and said, if you don't leave tonight, you will die. And so he escaped from the palace under the cover of night and did not return for 20 years. 20 years on the run. Did he do anything wrong? No, he did nothing wrong. And yet his road to the throne went through the desert, the caves, as a fugitive. I mean, he had to have been confused and frustrated and what in the world is going on? And it's about 15 years later of being on the run, not living with your family, hand to mouth, trying to provide for these 300 men that came along and just kind of were attracted to him. I mean, everybody knew who he was. He killed the giant. It's kind of amazing that he, he hid that long, right? But he did, and here we are, he's hiding in the cave. And he's hiding there, it's in right off of the desert of Engedi. and Saul has brought 3,000 men to hunt him down that day. And they can see the army coming through the desert, and David and his men have gone into what they call the cave that was a sheep pen, which meant that like about two to 300 sheep that the shepherds would take and they would bed them there during night. So it was this huge cage and they're there in the back. And as they come through and they're kind of watching to see where Saul is going to go, they see a weird thing. Saul getting off his horse and by himself coming up to the cave. Saul had some personal business that he wanted to do personally. So he left all his armies, he left his guard, he left all of it, he came up into this cave and now David is in the back of the cave and his men are like, this is it. Let's end it now, can we go home? You should be king, we believe that you're king, you can make it happen today. And here's the moment that we get to see David wrestling with attention that deserved his attention. This is where we find him. Now, one of the things that I love about this story is the very first thing that we see is that David did not allow bitterness or resentment to dictate his decisions. How do we know that? We know that because we have the psalm or the song that he wrote at that very moment. 
and it's Psalm 57. Just the first three verses say this. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. His prayer, as he went from the back of the cave to the front of the cave, wasn't, God give me the strength to destroy my enemy. It was, God have mercy on me. God save me, send your love and your faithfulness, be with me in this moment. But you know, it could, he had every right to be bitter and resentful. Saul had taken his life. I mean, he was running around. He had no, he had no wife, he had no children. He was just barely surviving and his bitterness and resentment would have been understandable if he went up and slit Saul's throat but he didn't because there was a tension inside of him that deserved attention. And that tension was, God will vindicate me, I will not. He worked out his bit. Was he bitter and resentful at one point? Yes. I think one of the things I love about all the Psalms is that you get to see the real feelings of David. It's what made him so great. Not that he hid them, not that he ignored them, but he explored them until He worked them out before God and he didn't let bitterness and resentment dictate his decision. The second thing is that he didn't cave to the pressure of his circumstances. See what I did there? He didn't cave, sorry. Um, He didn't cave to the pressure of his circumstances and those were, that was a lot of pressure for him. This was his own men said this, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut Saul's throat. No, he cut the edge of his robe. Why? Because he wanted to deal with his enemy as he wished. And because his heart was already prepared, he was already right with God, he'd already poured out his resentment and his bitterness, what he realized is that he was going to deal with his enemy with mercy because that's how God dealt with him. Instead of dealing with the person who wronged him the way they deserved to be wronged, he dealt with him the way God dealt with him. He said, have mercy on me. And then he had mercy on Saul. In verse five and six, it says, afterward, David was conscience stricken for even cutting off the corner of his robe. robe. Even doing that made him feel bad. He was like, whoa, I crossed a line. Why? He says, and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. What I love about this is that he just didn't keep it to himself. And this is how you know he was a leader because he led his men and he said, listen, I know you think this is an opportunity from God to get revenge, but Lord forbid that I do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Why, David was the Lord's anointed too. A prophet came to David when he was a kid and said, you're gonna be the next king of Israel. And he's like, if I do this to God's anointing, 
Is that gonna give permission to everyone else to do this as well? Is this the story that I want to tell? That I took and put my hands and stuffed out the life of the king that God chose on Israel. What would that make me be? And he said, no, I can't do it. After that, Saul left. They watched him go down the mountain. They watched him join his 3,000 men. And David came out of the cave with that corner. And he said, Saul, my father, what have I done to you? I could have killed you, but I didn't. What I love about this moment in David's life is that we see that he wanted God's call God's way, no matter what. He was willing to go, I am not gonna take advantage. I don't just want God's call my way. Isn't that what we do? I want God's relationship, but I want it my way. I want it now. I don't want to wait. Okay, God's called me to this. He's gonna do this. Then I'm gonna make this happen. And he said, no, 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 no. It's God's call. It's God's way. And until he releases me, until he lifts me up, until the time is right, I'm not gonna rush it. I'm not gonna make it happen. He's actually running from Saul and waiting on God. Do you know that for some of you, you need to run from the temptation to do everything yourself and wait so that God can do the thing that he has told you he was gonna do. Some of you want a relationship in your life so badly that you will just grab on to the first person or the second person or the person that smiles at you and think, after I've been hurt, this is who God is sending to rescue me. But can I tell you that you're gonna want God's will God's way. And that means trusting him. That means waiting on him. That means running from your own flesh and the desires that you have to fix it right now because David waited 20 years for it. How long are you willing to wait? God has a good plan for your life. He knows what he made you for. He knows who the relationship that he wants you to be in. He knows how to fix the relationship that you are in. But are you willing to let God do it his way? It takes a lot of humility. In fact, when David came out of that cave, the first thing he did was he laid himself down prostrate. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and he said, who am I? I am nobody. You know, the only way that you can live that is when you're used to humbling yourself before the Lord. You know that your identity is who God says you are, not what somebody else says you are. Saul and all of Israel may have been saying that David had been trying to harm him, but David said, I have not but I don't have to defend myself. I just have to keep my relationship with God open and continually say, God, have mercy on me. You will victim, victim, vindicate me. I don't have to vindicate myself. How many of you, if you were faced with a person who's wronged you, would be able to say, I'll have mercy on you? That's God's way, God's will. God's call on our lives is to be different than the world. 
1 Samuel 24, 12 says, may the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done. He didn't deny that Saul did wrong. No, it was wrong. And sometimes we feel like if they could just admit that it's wrong, or if, if we could make them pay for what they did wrong to us, then we'd feel better. But can I tell you, you won't. If David had slit his throat instead of his robe, he would have regretted it. If he had taken the opportunity to grab hold of power when it came, but it wasn't from God, it was from man, he would have regretted it. I mean, what was the story that he was looking to tell? His grandchildren, hey, will you tell us that time that you murdered grandpa in the cave? That wasn't the story he wanted to tell. So he stopped and he pushed back. He said, my hand will not touch you. If God put you in the throne, then God will take you out of the throne and God could put me in the throne when he's ready. Those years that David was in the desert prepared him to be the greatest king of Israel not because he was handsome or smart or a great warrior, but because he had worked it out before God. And he wanted it God's way, no matter how long it took. What about you? Is there a decision that you have to make right now? And when you think about that decision, there's a tension that starts to come up. It's just a little check. It's a little pause. I wanna challenge you to allow it. Give it space. That tension might very well be God's way of protecting you. It's his way of brushing you off from a decision that you might regret later. Now remember my stories at the very beginning, my two regrets, my, the two times that I pushed past the tension that deserved attention like nobody's business. It's taken me a long time to actually even acknowledge how I feel because for so many years, it wasn't about how I felt about things, it was about how other people felt about what I did. It was about pleasing other people. I didn't wanna hurt anybody, which is why I broke up with my boyfriend for only five minutes. Well, that tension didn't go away. And fortunately, I had the opportunity to make a new decision where there was an old regret. And so I did, six months later, I broke up with him for good. It made my life complicated and boy, did I wish I would have stuck to the five minutes. If I could have just stayed in that for five, stay there. I am a rescuer by nature, which is why I'm so thankful that I know Jesus, who is the rescuer by divine appointment. He rescues people, I don't. I don't have to worry about what other people are gonna think of me. I just have to worry about what God thinks of me. That's his job. He can do his job. I'm gonna do my job, and my job is to pay attention to the tension that deserves attention. So I broke up with my boyfriend for five minutes. Six months later, I broke up with him for good. The second one is that I took the job my husband had attention about and then quit that job a month later. <laughs> it was a long month. It was because I totally was like, again, you don't get to make this decision for me. You don't even know how I feel. You can't feel my knees. You can't feel my, my feet. 
You have cushy carpet, cushy chair. But what I realized was when I got into that and God started to do this work in our life where the tension inside became tension everywhere. And I had to go to God and go, did I miss something? And he goes, well, you did try to do it your way instead of mine. Here's the good news. You can turn around and do it God's way anytime. It was a regret. I'm just embarrassed that I only had the job for a month. And sometimes it can be pride. It can be our feelings that keep us stuck in a regret because I made that decision. Not gonna go back on it. But if we can learn anything from David is that humility is powerful. And it is through being humble and going, oh, I made a mistake. I made the wrong decision. And I did make the wrong decision. And I quit the job. And almost a year to the day that I did, we moved to Florida. And it opened up an opportunity that I couldn't have imagined. Or I should say, I was ready for the opportunity that I couldn't imagine. Both times, I eventually chose to trust God with my future instead of letting fear override the tension. I decided, I'm gonna trust you. It took me a while, eventually. I made some mistakes along the way. I have regrets. But at any moment, you can change a regret into a new decision and go God's way. Is there a tension that needs attention in your life today? Pause and allow it. If something bothers you, let it bother you. Face it. Embrace it. Don't excuse it. Face that tension until the tension goes away or you decide to go another way. Maybe it would be helpful if you asked yourself some questions. Like, what is bothering me about this? Am I ignoring attention in this relationship that needs attention? Am I using alcohol or something else to avoid the tension? It can be alcohol, it can be your drug of choice, it can be your distraction of choice. What do you go to when you start to feel uncomfortable? I don't wanna feel this, I don't wanna feel this, I'm gonna go do this. Some of you, it's relationships. You go to a relationship so you don't have to deal with what's going on inside. Am I using alcohol or something else to avoid feeling the tension? And then, what is the tension I'm trying to avoid? What is this? Is it fear? Is it knowledge? What is the story I want to tell? Am I being honest with myself, really? And if I acknowledge it, what does that mean for my life? You write the story of your life one decision at a time. I write the story of my life one decision at a time. But I can tell you this, one decision that I've never regretted was when I was 19 years old and I surrendered my whole life to God. That doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. This isn't, a, this isn't a message about how not to make mistakes and live the perfect life. That's not it. It's about asking good questions so you can make better decisions and have fewer regrets. Maybe you're here today and you're like me. You just kind of run over that tension. You don't wanna know how you feel. Or you feel it and you go, oh, this is gonna cause change in my life that I don't want. I'm not, 
what, what do I need to do? I need to clean the house or play video games or I don't know what you need to do. If that's you, I want to pray for you and actually have you pray for yourself because here's what I know. God has designed you to have a relationship with him and he wants to come into every decision every day and help you work it out. That tension probably is from God and he wants you to pay attention to it. So if that's you, I just wanna give you a moment. I just want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And then I want you to repeat this in your heart or if you need to out loud, you're welcome to join me and everyone here because it's probably for everyone. Simple as this, dear God, help me pay attention to what I'm feeling. Help me pause and allow what is bothering me to bother me. I want your will, your way. Help me know what that is and give me the strength to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now you can open your eyes. I have one more prayer that I wanna pray over you or invite you to pray with me, which is even better. Because if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, you've never heard the truth and the good news that God loves you, that everything that could separate you, all that long list in your mind of what separates you from God, that you're not good enough or because of the things that have happened to you in the past or all of the things you have done. I want you to know today that Jesus took all of those things on the cross for you and died and they died with him. And when he rose again, he cleared the way for you to have a relationship with this God who loves you, who believes in you, who knows what he created you for. And it was a life, it's a life. It's a life that no matter where you are or how far you feel like you've gone from God, it's a life that he can redeem and restore your story. Yes, we make, we write the story of our lives one decision at a time. And this decision is the one that can change your life. And it's the decision to surrender it to God. Some of you have a relationship or you've begun a relationship with God, but you're holding the reins. You're guiding it. You're deciding it. This is what I want, God bless it. Here we go, God, I'm going this way. Come on with me, it'll be great. But then you get really bitter and resentful when it doesn't work out the way you want it to. In fact, some of you are even blaming God. God, why did this happen? Why did, why did so-and-so wrong me? And you allow that bitterness and that resentment, it's cancer of the soul. And God said, will you surrender that to me? Will you surrender your story to me? I bet it hasn't gone the way you thought it would. But I can tell you this, when you, can, when you give it to God, he can do more with it than you could ask or imagine. He can do more with you than you can ask or imagine. He can heal you of things that you've stopped asking for and imagining. So if you don't have a relationship, or maybe you do, but you need to surrender your life to him today, I want 
to ask you to pray this prayer. So once again, I'm just gonna ask you, everyone just close your eyes. And if you're here and you have that kind of relationship with God where he's guided you every day, will you start praying for those who today is their day, their decision to give it all to God. The good news is he gives it all to you. Everything he has, all his love, all his forgiveness, all his strength. So in your heart, in your mind, or even out loud, I want you to say, dear God, I need help. I need you. Thank you for Jesus. And that because of him, I can live as your child. I need a relationship with you. And I surrender my whole life, my whole story to you. And I say, you can do whatever you want with it. In Jesus' name, amen.